Thanks for listening to the Roanoke Valley Church podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and YouTube at Roanoke Valley Church. Like and subscribe to us on Facebook and be sure to come back here to check out more sermons every Sunday. Amen. We are going through a series in the book of Acts. And if you have a Bible, you can flip over to Acts chapter 16. We're going to read just a couple verses today. Uh, the second story in this uh, this triad of stories in Acts chapter 16, really about the power of the gospel. And if you recall, if you joined us online last Sunday, we looked at, uh, at the conversion of Lydia in her household, if you recall that, yes? So that was uh, entitled the, the Intention or the Mystery and the Intention of the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful interplay, as I was sharing last Sunday, of, of how we have our intentions and we have our desires to even do the will of God, to please him, to do things, to advance his kingdom to serve him, to help. And sometimes those doors are closed, right? And we often say, oh, you know, God closes one door, he opens another. And I think that's true. Uh, sometimes it's multiple doors. And sometimes it's like, hey, just do something door. And uh, God really blesses that type of intention. Uh, but Paul and Silas had this intention to go further into Asia Minor, preach the gospel, visit the synagogues. And a number of occasions in that text, chapter 15 is all this context. It says Satan prevented them from going. It says that the Holy Spirit prevented him, and then the Spirit of Jesus kept them. I don't know what that, that's like, but that's pretty, that's pretty dope, um, that the Spirit of Jesus, hopefully, you know, we experience that uh, for sure. Not so much the, the no's, but the yeses. But uh, they try, but then they hear the Macedonian call, and Paul and Silas up, up and go, and go to Macedonia. They're expecting to meet a man. They were expecting to have a synagogue. And when they arrived, there was no synagogue, and there was no man. There was Lydia. And women praying along a, a, a river shore. And it's these moments of, I had this intention, but it didn't, it didn't go as I expected. Or it wasn't what I was anticipating. And what are you up to, God? And when God says no, like, what, what do you do? Do, you, do we throw adult fits or little tirades about that? Or do we look for what God might be teaching us in those moments? I know um, often I'm like, what the heck? Or what's going on? And I don't look for those doors. Um, especially when they're the best laid plans of, God, I'm trying to do this for you. Why, why are you saying no? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But what we saw is this first story of of Lydia and her and the household that she she ran as a young professional, as a professional woman. We see this unexpected plan. The Holy Spirit actually brings a domino effect of many people becoming Christians. And then we fast forward to verse 35, the end of this chapter, and there's now a church. There's a house church that meets at Lydia's house. That wasn't in the plans. They were anticipating visiting a synagogue that had already been established, not set up their own. And they did that. And God knew all that from the jump. And it was a reminder for us to stay intentional, but to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we're going to look at the second story here with just two verses of uh, now going from a very self-controlled woman, very put together morally uh, in Lydia, to a little girl who's completely out of control. And it's this intentional contrast by Luke to show us the power of the gospel. That the gospel goes everywhere, and the gospel can change everyone. So that's the title of my lesson this morning, is anywhere or everywhere and anyone. Everywhere and anyone. That should give us hope. Because no one's the same. No one is, uh, I have an identical twin, and man, Paul's sons look like they're identical. I'm not sure if they are, though. Yes? No? No. Okay. You have a twin. But Paul is a twin. We've got that in common, right? We've both got identical brothers, yes. So, amen. Sorry, whoever's the older one, my bad. I know how that goes. My bad. Four years? 
man, well, good on you, older brother, for looking four years younger than you really are. Come on, man. Good genes over there on that row. So anywhere or anyone, what did I say? Where am I? Everywhere and anyone. Got distracted by all the handsomeness over there, man. All right, here we go. Verse, verse 16. Um, by the way, can I just take a break here? This is the Underwood family. They escaped the snowstorm from New York and are down here visiting Paul and Dolores. That's Paul and Dolores. That's Paul's, Paul and Dolores' sons and daughter-in-law. Okay, awesome. Great to have you guys in here from New York. There's still snow here, but not two feet. That's you guys got up there. All right, let's go. Uh, once when we were going to the place of prayer, verse 16, we were met by female, a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Amen. Stop there. So that's, the kind of, that's not the kind of entourage you want to have, right? Well, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So... Uh, let, let me back up here. This, this word here in the English, it just says, who had a spirit. Some of you guys who might have an older NIV, 1984, it actually says the spirit of Python. Anybody have that translation? No? 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 Okay. Huh. Well, believe me, it's there. Uh, the Greek actually is the, word, is, is the word pythias, which means to rot or decay, and it's a very specific spirit that was, that was known in the Roman Greek world. Uh, I might have a slide for it. There it is. You might not be able to see it, but Python was a, a mythical, it's not, we think snake right off the bat, right? Like Python snake, for sure. And the genus and genome, or whatever that is, would, would back that up. But uh, Python was a mythical serpent who the belief was had somehow claimed all the energy of the earth and dwelled in the center of the earth, all right? And it was a, kind of a dragon type, kind of protected the center of the earth. And Apollos, the belief, Apollos, the son of Zeus, went to the center of the earth and killed Python. Sounds like a cool book, right? Killed Python and stayed, his, his corpse stayed there, and as it decayed in the center of the earth, as his flesh began to decay, it gave off the smell and steam and rot. And again, that's what Python, Pythias, means. And as it is, that stench and steam would come up from the, the, the cracks of the earth and giving off these fumes, an oracle would sit among these fumes and inhale them. So an oracle is just like a soothsayer, kind of someone in which, at this point, uh, Roman emperors, commanders, they would not go to battle, they would not make large decisions, they would not make peace treaties without visiting an oracle. Right? And if you've ever seen the series Vikings, uh, there's that same type of thing even in Nordic uh, thought. Like, go see a, 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 a soothsayer or a sage of some sort to get your direction. So this is, uh, this is what it was depicted to be. It would be typically around like a 14-year-old 14, 14 girl who would be this oracle, and she would breathe in these fumes, and it would give her this ecstatic trance, and she would, to her credit, uh, be able to tell the future. And that's kind of what they, they thought. So that was this, the spirit, and obviously we see that Paul and, and Silas and Luke in this text kind of reduced all of that to, to being able to see the demoniac forces of all this. This is demon, demon possession, 
uh, not a spirit of Python, but that was their belief. But it's the dark forces of this world uh, really influencing her. So this, uh, this Python spirit or this demon uh, allowed for a receiving of wisdom, uh, foretelling the, the future, and it was, as I said a, a little bit earlier, it was the most known spirit in Rome at this time. So there was a huge, huge temple uh, in, in, in Delphi of this oracle, and there's supposedly a, quite a large crack in the earth. Uh, again, you know, steam or a geyser is really what's going on here. And that was there at Delphi, and there was a huge temple set up, and that's where that oracle would, would be set up. So that was a very familiar concept to both Paul and Silas being Roman citizens and everyone here at Philippi. All right, you following me? So that was just one word spirit, but you get all that context there. That's, a, that's fun for me. Maybe not for you. That's fun for me. Uh, so just know all that. So when they see this, this spirit, uh, people, it, it gives way to why these men have enslaved her and are making money off of her. They actually don't feel bad for her. We do, and we should, but they don't feel bad for her. This is like a gift in their eyes. Like, whoa, she's got the spirit of Python. Let's, and they take advantage of her and parade her around and make, and make money off of her. So she is enslaved, but they don't feel bad for her. She's a money-making machine, and she's got a gift, and we're going to exploit it. So that's what's happening. That's what's happening here. So uh, you may be thinking a whole bunch of stuff. You know, with our Western ears and our Western culture, we think, oh, how pathetic is it for somebody to be so entranced by kind of this type of forces or spirit? And uh, I grew up with Miss Cleo on the TV. Anybody remember Miss Cleo? Hey, man, there's a time in my life I thought about calling Miss Cleo. So I don't know about you, but Miss Cleo was, was on TV and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I heard about her. Maybe you have. I think you got to be under the age of, like, uh, over the age of 30 to know who Miss Cleo is. Yeah? Okay. I mean, you didn't miss out on anything. You missed out on some confusion. But anyway, we know, like, tarot card, or tarot card readers, people who read poems, uh, astrologists, astrology, not astrologists, uh, Ouija boards, crystal balls, etc., and the like. And those things, you know, for sure, mostly are gimmicks and nonsense and parlor tricks. Uh, but make no mistake, there are dark forces in our world. There are, there, there are things in which, and people in which who have given themselves over to those things for their own benefit or for their own lifestyle. There are genuine operators of the, what we call the occult. So I'm not here to diminish that. I'm not here to elevate that and say it's got more power than, than, it, than it really does. Uh, but we've got to make sure that we're not filtering that through and saying, oh, that's nonsense. You know, we're, we're, we're established Westerners. We know better. It's not true. Um, I've been to India, and I've seen it firsthand. Uh, some of you guys have been to, uh, you've been to Trinidad, been to places in the Caribbean. Uh, when I went to London, and I met a lot of folks who were from, originally from Africa and the Caribbean, and we were joking around, and they would say, hey, that sounds like bad juju. And I was like, tell me more about that. And they went into elaborate things, and they didn't they, so much, this is what we believe and we're superstitious, but no, these are things that have happened. And these are things that I've seen people rely on and get overtaken by, and uh, hey, we gotta be mindful of that. And I was like, whoa, just kind of taking a step back and saying, hey, this is here in London. But these are people's experiences. And it was easy for me to be like, oh, come on, hogwash. But it's real. And it can, it, it can really be. So make, make no mistake. And let me, let me teach us Americans a little bit something, something. And I'm first in line. 
first in line with all this, is that why would Satan need to come out and scare us into running into God? Why would he need to do that to Americans? You know, people in, in and around the world, the majority of our world, are living in pain every day. And they are running to God or to something that's beyond them, greater than them, to be able to make sense of what's going on and to have hope in the future. They don't have the comforts and the, the dulling sensations that we get as Americans and as Westerners. So I believe that God doesn't, or Satan doesn't need to come out and scare us into pursuing or running towards him because we've got Netflix. We've got Hulu, we've got Disney Plus, you've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You've got all the comforts, I've got all the conveniences all around us, and guess what? We're already distracted. We're already distracted. We don't, we don't need the spirit of Python to get us off, off course. We don't, we don't need demons to come out here drooling at us. I don't know what they look like, but let's just go with that. We don't need that. We're already distracted. We're already pulled a bunch of different places. We don't have to see Satan come out in full force to remind us to manifest himself for that because we're already distracted by the worries, riches, and pleasures of this life. That's what I believe. So I've got friends that, that led our fellowships in Papua New Guinea. Stories galore. People that lead our churches currently in Suriname, Zimbabwe, India, to see these things on a daily basis. Americans, we're thinking about, not so much now because it's covered in snow, but we're, we're thinking about nice grass. And do I have better grass than my neighbor? And that kind of stuff. That's what we worry about here in the U.S., our brothers and sisters and people across the world aren't thinking about what episode of The Walking Dead you're on and boasting about your, your own season six or how many seasons there are. I chose Walking Dead because of the okay, zombie cult thing. What episode are you on? I want season five. I want season eight. Oh, sweet. People in many other places of the world are just trying to survive. They live in so much pain daily, they're forced to look to something beyond, something greater something that's going to give them relief. Are you with me? So people do run to God. But if not, Satan's right there in full force, full force to take people away. And that's where you see it. I think if we had a time, we all line up and share stories. I'm sure we have friends or have had experiences where, you know what, you can't make sense of what you just saw. You have family and et cetera, et cetera, that, that might have, might have experience. So it's like, whoa. There are times in my household I'm like, surely my kids are demon-possessed. Surely. I said it. We had a little bump as a family. It's always family night. Like, family night's going to be awesome. And I'm throwing myself under the bus here, but hey, we're all, okay, we're all here. Uh, but family night's always like we have such great anticipation, such great hopes for family night. It's Monday night traditionally in the Landis household. And uh, we're like, hey, you know what? And I went on a limb and, and tried to put, put out an idea uh, that I actually just loathed to do and that's that's just dance on on switch and i was like hey why don't we all do just dance and dance as a family and i'm like oh my gosh carry my cross daily kevin right with and cameron just simply said no that's boring and i was like awesome and then it just ensued cameron and natalie had different opinions and they just wanted let's do this let's do this and it kind of just melted to the point where they're both trying to be in control and I had kind of given up the, uh, the 
option bank because I had one and it got shot down much to my enjoyment. And they just kind of went off and it got, got into an argument. It got into a whole bunch of tears and crying and uh, sent our kids up to the room for five minutes. My son comes down. I was in the basement kind of, you know, distracting myself. I come back upstairs before five minutes and I say to my son, hasn't been five minutes yet. And he loses his mind. Just, just set him off. And it goes into a whole other dynamic of him and I's relationship and what I need to work on. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Natalie's coming down the stairs crying. Cameron's, you know, melting down. Lindsay and I are kind of like, what, what's going on? And I lean against the wall. I was like, there's a demon in this house. Man. This house is demon possessed. Like something's going on. Like what in the world? We were just out of family night and it just went, what? And maybe that's kind of our experiences. I don't know. I, I didn't walk away saying like, in the name of Jesus, I wasn't going. Maybe I should have. Paul did it. But there's stuff going on. And if you believe in God, you got to believe in Satan. And if you believe in good spirits, then you got to believe in bad spirits. I'm not saying we got to walk around tiptoeing like, ooh, you know, lighting candles. I don't know. I don't want to offend anyone there. But it's the sense that it's there. And in our minds, we can distance ourselves from the story and say, oh, poor, poor girl. Yeah, first century, tough world, never here. Or we can really be. Um, honestly, kind of out of touch and say, yeah, you know, all things like that, we'll just kind of put it under the umbrella of mental illness today. And we'll just kind of break it all down and say, you know, uh, yeah, anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts, you know, those are all, that's probably what the first century thought was demon possession. And if you go down that route, you got to really be careful there. All right, I'm not saying that they, they don't tie in at some point as someone who has a, has a disorder myself to give way into all that thinking. But I think those are kind of the things that we distance ourselves from as Westerners. All right, are you with me? All right, so hopefully our hearts are here for this text and now we can really embrace the power of the gospel. Because if we do distance ourselves or somehow because of our, uh, our American thought process, the gospel actually loses power. And we start to attribute things that are going on in our lives and what we do and how we handle things to kind of our own you know, rugged individualism our own rationalism that we have as Americans, and we distance ourselves and therefore undermine the power of Jesus. Does that make sense? All right. So, wow. I'm glad we only did two verses. I got to speed up here. So that's all the context, and now you can read this uh, a little bit better down the line here. So don't distance yourself, but this should give us, give us hope in a tremendous way. Uh, and it is important for us to think that this, this, it's very important for us to think that this does, this text we just read, relates to you. It's in here for you. It's in here for me. You know, this girl has the spirit of Python. And again, it's causing her and these two men and the culture in which they're in are seeing gods and seeing people and seeing things that are happening. This is a way to get through life. And this is a way to get through life. And that's a way to get through life. And this is how we make sense of this. And this is how you make your decisions. It's kind of pick and choose how you get through life. What does it for you? Now, that's true for us. If you struggle with worry, anybody? Fear, anxiety. How about sexual addiction in the form of pornography or lust or masturbation? How about language or fits of rage on the road or at home? with your spouses and children, or that, you know, relative that doesn't want to go home outside of the Underwood family? 
How about any insecurity, any negative thinking about yourself, body image issues, our own abilities, our self-esteem, reliant hearts that need affirmation from every source, even a blue thumb does it for us now. That's Facebook. Oh. We don't, yeah, we're not, yeah, no, just kidding. We, we don't know what that means. We know better. No, yeah. So all these things are, and there's more. We could just list off our challenges, our vices, our, our addictions. And the temptation is to, like this culture, have something that you go to for that. So for insecurity, I go to this. For fear, I do this. For worry, I go here. For body image issues, I do this. For this, for that, for this, and this. And we have this kind of this big uh, Rolodex of choices for how to help ourselves. And what this text is here for is you have Lydia who's got it all together in, a, in one way. The gospel was powerful and beautiful enough for her. We have this girl who's enslaved, double enslaved by a demon and by men. The gospel's powerful enough to set her free. And then we're not going to read it today for time, but Paul and Silas go to jail, and there's a Philippian jailer who's a veteran of a Roman army, a brutal, a brutal guy who was chosen to be the jailer because he would have no problem inflicting more torture on those who are held captive and not even blink an eye. Those are the guys they're looking for. And the gospel was powerful enough for him to have his heart melted and respond to the gospel. And what we need to, uh, what I want to learn, I want to encourage you to learn from our time together, is that what are the things that grip you? What are the challenges, the vices, the difficulties, the moments that can enslave us? And do we rely on God and Jesus and his message to set us free? Or do we, like this culture, kind of have our coping mechanisms and our things in which we rely on? Does that make sense? I believe we'll be, we'll be more inclined, all the more encouraged, all the more inspired to choose God, choose his word, to have his scriptures written on our heart if we believe that it has the power to do it. Because I, for me, and I'm sure for you, I go to those other things because I question the power of God. I question if it's really even in the realm in which I struggle that God wants to do something about it. Does that make sense? But this, this text tells us no matter what the needs are, no matter what challenges you're faced with, Jesus can meet them. And because of the gospel and the message that it brings, look how different these people become. That was the context of all demon possession, is that they're demon possessed, they're out of control, and then Jesus comes in and they're in their right mind dressed and in their right mind. That's the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, and that's the same thing here. And it's a beautiful image. You know, this girl, as I said, is double-owned, enslaved by the Spirit, enslaved by these men. And we'll talk about it uh, a couple Sundays. Rolando's going to preach in a couple Sundays. Uh, this is your text, Rolando, the Paul and Silas in prison. You got it. Um, about all this, how they responded to this girl being set free and the ensuing issue that Paul and Silas endured and how God comes through there. You know, many in our world, because we've gotten so used to picking and choosing what helps us and everything's relative, people see Christianity as just that. Like, hey, Christianity works for you, Paul. I'm with you. 
hey, Will, if that prayer thing does it for you, man, sweet. You know, if that really helps you with your marriage, Corey, you know, more on you. We'll be happier for you. You know, if Christianity really helps you to be a better dad or mom, cool. If that works, helps you to be a better citizen of our great 50 nifty United States, then I'm all for it. Isn't that kind of the, the world? But if I'm for drinking a few beers to knock the edge off every night, I don't. But if that does it for me, then the world will celebrate that too. If doing a little bit of drugs helps you to keep going and be productive at work, and you're not really irritating the world, well, okay, you know, we'll overlook that because the bottom line looks good. Okay, you know, you, you're sexually frustrated. Okay, you know, go ahead, look at pornography. It keeps you from, you know, hitting on somebody at work or doing something that you regret, further regret. Well, okay, that kind of keeps you at bay a little bit. You know, these are some of the thoughts I had is that impurity kind of keeps, keeps you at bay, keeping you from doing something stupid with, actual, with an actual person. And the world will say that pornography is no problem. Adultery, how dare you? But that's how our world is. If it doesn't mess up or if it works for you, then good. But guess what? Christianity doesn't fall victim to the notion of faith doesn't work for me, man. Christianity works for everyone if we actually hear the message and put it into practice. Christianity works for me, and it can work for you. I'm hooked on Christianity. Phonics reference. It worked for me, worked for you. This chapter is telling us that Christianity is so true that it's rich enough for Lydia, it's beautiful enough for this girl, and it's powerful enough for this, this Philippian jailer. There is no Christian type. He can change anyone anywhere. There's no conservative type, liberal type, culture type, messed up types. What is the Christian type? There is none. There isn't any. Because Christianity is so true that Jesus can fill whatever need there is. Whoever we are, you need him. Whatever we're going through, we need him. Whatever the challenge is this month, next month, next week, he can meet it. It was beautiful enough. It's powerful enough. And we see that as a reminder for us this morning. So practically, what's the vice and what's the solution? The solution is know the message and put it into practice. We see these moments here where Paul just says, in the name of Jesus, and boom, she's fixed. I would love for someone to do that for me. You're insecure. In the name of Jesus, cast out. Thank you. Whew, I am confident in the Lord. I would love that, and maybe there's some degree of all that. I'm not going to undermine what God can do. But what we have is God's message, and what we have is God's spirit. And a lot of the vices that I've seen continue in my life is because I'm not doing what God's word says to do. If you're struggling with impurity this morning, the Bible is very clear about fleeing from impurity, doing whatever you can to get away from it. Are you doing that? Oh, I'm still, no. Are you entitled to your internet? Well, if you're entitled to your internet, but you struggle with purity, then you're not doing everything you can that God's telling you to flee. Flee is not pretty. Does that make sense? God's word has all the solutions right here. This is the best marriage book I found, the best parenting book I found, the best single book I found, the best anything book I've ever found. But my challenges are I don't do it. So I want to encourage us to think, what's the challenge? Do I believe the gospel is powerful enough in Jesus to meet it? 
And if I do, am I willing to put it into practice? We get to be reminded this morning of this anyone, anywhere example of what Jesus is for our world. So if it's not for you, maybe it's someone else. Someone else that needs to hear the message, have the opportunity to put into practice, to see them set free. We love that about our God. We love that about our Jesus. Let's revel in the power of the gospel. It's for everyone. And let's go after it and do what it says. Amen. Let's stand for one final song. Thanks for joining us. And for if you're a young professional, come right back here next Sunday. We'll have a great service for you. Thanks so much.